0: Hey guys, so I came across a really great article, and I wanted to just read an excerpt from it um, here on the podcast. The article is called The Attack on Beauty, and it's about how modern culture is sort of anti-beauty, is sort of anti-meritocracy. And um, so, let's get into that. There's a pop song by Canadian artist Alessa Kara that my daughters have learned to sing at their school choir. The song is Scars to Your Beautiful. It is a catchy, simple song. Many readers probably know it. The message it promotes is, by all accounts, a positive one, which is presumably why it's being taught to my daughters. The chorus goes like this There's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. And you don't have to change a thing. The world could change its heart. No scars to your beautiful. We're stars and we're beautiful. In spite of my girl's sweet singing voices and the intention of the lyrics, I think it is one of the most disturbing songs my kids have ever learned. It is a narcissistic anthem painfully unaware of its hypocrisy. It reinforces the notion that beauty is rightfully a girl's desirable goal, and that her aspiration to be a star is not only attainable without any corresponding effort or talent on her part, naturally, but also the world's ethical responsibility to ensure In other words, there are no standards, ideals, nor any objectivity. Instead, the world needs to change its heart in order to conform to an individual's subjective self-desiring. Narcissism isn't merely an issue of having an inflated ego. It is the condition of being enamored with one's idealized projection of oneself to the exclusion of reality and of one's real self. This occurs not because one is vain, but because one is too fragile to admit failings. It has nothing to do with self-love, but rather with being locked in a solipsistic gaze with a fantasy of oneself. Contemporary culture has taken classic narcissism and turned it into a new moralism. What we deem goodness now is that everyone else affirms the delusion of one's wishful thinking as objective truth. This is a really powerful statement, and it says a lot about where we are and where culture is. I once heard someone speaking about marriage, and they were saying that the reason people are getting married less now than basically ever before is that people are so idealistic about themselves and idealistic about their partner and idealistic about how it has to be and this fake image of who they are and what their life has to be, that they're pessimistic. That when they actually take a look at who they actually are, that when they take a look at what their life really could be, they're completely pessimistic. That they either think in their fantasy, or they dread in their reality. And this comes from a lack of God. When we don't believe in God, everything is subjective. And when everything is subjective, you have to lie to yourself, not to kill yourself. But let's go the opposite direction. Good and evil do exist. There is a God who differentiates between the two. So whoever decides good and evil is God. So there is a God because we know that evil exists. If you don't believe good exists, believing evil exists is not so hard. There is a God, which means objectivity does exist. And with that comes meaning, and with meaning comes responsibility. This idea of self-love is really rooted in nihilism. It's rooted in meaninglessness. It's rooted in emptiness. If you believe that life is empty, that life is meaningless, then you will have to tell yourself that you have some value. But what if we actually appreciated what our life is? What if we actually appreciated the people that we know? What if we appreciated our house? What if we appreciated that we were born into basically the most wealthy time ever? That the poorest people now, in some ways, are richer than the richest people 300 years ago. What if we had gratitude that our life is good? That it isn't perfect and we aren't famous, but we are something of value. One of Dennis Prager's quotes that has meant a lot to me, is that if nothing is horrific, then life is terrific. That way of seeing the world. Why can't things just be okay? Why isn't okay good? Why don't we value that things are stable? The average person you'll meet at a gas station is kind and normal and nice. Even that has not always been that way. We are standing on hundreds and indeed thousands of years of Christian morality. That allows you to walk into a gas station and the average person to just be nice to you. There was a time when everyone fought against everyone else. Where everything was survival. And that is not the world we live in. We live in a much safer world. A much more cooperative world. And maybe your life does have meaning. Maybe there is something valuable about who you are. And maybe you could make it better without hating yourself. As Christianity took the power of the culture, it started to become corrupt. As it became corrupt, the Richard Dawkins of the world saw an opportunity. They came in, pointed out the corruption of the people at the top, which was really there. So we bought what they had to say, hook, line, and sinker, instead of iterating on our Christian culture and weeding out the problems. In general, we bought the freedom that comes with meaninglessness. We bought the freedom that comes with atheism. We bought the freedom of not having to think about the flaws in the atheist materialist worldview. So we just bought that hook, line, and sinker. And now here we are with no meaning. And we must delude ourselves. We must lie to ourselves just to keep going. But if God exists, then life does have meaning. Then children have meaning. Then what you do today has meaning. That you can live and die and dedicate your life and your death to something that will live for hundreds and thousands of years after your death. Self-love, the sort of self-love movement, the I'm-going-to-be-fat-and-you're-going-to-like-it movement, that is a movement rooted in emptiness. It is a movement rooted in nothingness and nihilism. And that is anti-God, because God says, you, I made you. You do have value. You can improve yourself, and by extension, you can impact the world. You are meaningful. Better is better. And you are of value. Not because you said so, but because I said so. And that with that, may we have the maturity to take a normal day that is not the best day or the worst day. We didn't see a celebrity. We didn't become a celebrity. It was just a normal day, and everything was okay. And may we have deep gratitude for that. May we feel richly the beauty of a stable, sweet, normal day with all of its flaws. That that is the goal. One of the biggest problems with the modern world and why young people are so unhappy is that we're all just rich enough that we don't have to do anything. We don't have to develop anything. We don't have to experience enough pain to overcome enough things to have any kind of confidence. The reason young people lack any kind of self-confidence or identity is because they haven't overcome anything. They haven't stacked a million little victories on top of each other to say, that is who I am. That is what I fought for. Those are the hills that I died on. When you don't have that, you don't know who you are. And that comes with misery. To be overly protective of either yourself or your children from your own failures, from the failures of your life in ways that reality is trying to respond to you, may be a win in the short term, but it comes with dread in the long term. That the more you address your own failures, the more you enjoy the world and appreciate the world, but the more you ignore your own failures, the more angry at the world you will be. Here's a way to illustrate what I'm saying. Why do young people hate when an older person tries to act young? Because when an older person acts young and tries to be hip and cool, it is telling all young people that there is nothing to live for, that there is nothing better than the cool band and the cool show and the cool hairstyle. There's nothing more than that to life. That there's nothing after that that is more meaningful than that. And that is deeply depressing. That is deeply depressing. One of the greatest things my parents did for me when I was young, since I was young, is they always pushed me to grow up. They always gave value to growing up. They always said, grow up faster. One of my dad's sayings growing up was, you're going to be an adult a lot longer than you're a kid, so grow up faster. He did not buy... This empty, this hopeless, this nihilistic view that, oh, I miss being a teenager. I miss having no responsibility. I miss being a kid. He did not give in to that. Not then, not now. Because to believe that is to believe that life has no meaning. The day before my wedding, my brother spoke and he said, you know, a lot of people that talk about how awful marriage is really just suck at it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. If you've spent years ignoring things that you want to accomplish, small things or big things, if you've spent years in denial, if you've spent years lying to yourself, then yeah, one day you're going to wake up and wish that you could be young again. But it won't make you young again. It won't work. So what do we do? Have appreciation for the present. Have appreciation for the future and then just chip away don't worry about what they're doing over there just chip away at your own goals stack up a million little wins so that you can take on more and more and more the past has passed we cannot go back and do it again but we can make the future better and we can have enough gratitude for the present that it actually can be enjoyed. You know, I'm starting to be interested by history for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, both because I'm married and I'm reaping, you know, these like very deep, unnoticeable psychological benefits of being married and feeling the stability and the warmth of that. Um, And just, I guess, getting a slightly older, but for the first time, I feel like I can pull my head out of my own butt. Uh, Long enough to be like, wow, there's so much wisdom that we are standing on just to even be where we are. There's so much genius thought uh, in my faith as a Christian, you know, trying to read some older uh, thought leaders of the Christian worldview and, uh, you know, of America, of the way the power is split up. There's just so much to be learned and appreciated. And that that is the ongoing mystery, the ongoing enjoyment of life. And that with that feeling of appreciation, brings back the color to life, brings back the meaning to every day, brings back the, the ability to feel an enjoyment from a small thing. And to know that there is something worthwhile that you can give your time and your life to, whether that be a family or a podcast, gratitude is the mother of happiness, that we have enough gratitude, that we can start to appreciate the world around us, that we can have enough appreciation for the good in ourselves and the good in our lives, that we can chip away at the things that could be better without any sense of dread, without any sense of shame, but to humbly come before God and say, this is what I have. Can you use it? I love you guys.